Hello, everybody, and welcome to Three Point Perspective, the podcast about illustration, how to do it, how to make a living at it, and how to make an impact in the world with your art. I'm Jake Parker. I'm Lee White. And I'm Will Terry. And all three of us are professional illustrators. And we've all been working for the past 25, 30 years, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. I <laughs> combined, I don't know how much time we have. Uh, we've all worked for all the major publishers. We published somewhere maybe around 100 books. And we've all taught illustration at the university level. That is correct. Each week, we're going to come up with a fascinating topic, better than all the other illustration podcasts. Sometimes we're going to argue. Sometimes we're going to agree. But each time, you are going to learn something super valuable. Right. And you know what? There may be three other people who are way more qualified to do this podcast (laughs) than we are. But... We're what you got. So, and you're here listening to us. So, hey, we're <laughs> good. We we're go. good. We're getting popular enough where people are starting to say, "Hey, that those guys don't know what they're talking about." Didn't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. say, didn't <laughs> That's a true <laughs> sign of success. I would <laughs> what are they hopefully. About? <laughs> hopefully, what happens is our podcast ignites a fire under the three people who really are qualified. Oh, so right. they'll step up. You know, we've been That's waiting right. for you. Because right. I would listen to that podcast. I, I would, would too. The problem is the three people who are most qualified don't have any rapport amongst themselves. They can't speak on mm. camera. They're just like, they know mm. a lot, but they can't talk about it. Well, we don't know anything, but we can talk about anything. Okay. Let me ask you this. I know we're already <laughs> getting off topic, but let me ask you this. Who, if, if, if you could replace us with three illustrators, who would it be? Living or dead? Uh-huh. I'd say Norman Norman Rockwell. Wow. Okay, so Norman Rockwell. But see, I don't, I don't know those if those guys were good at talking. I, it doesn't matter. They'll yeah, get. They'll find a guys. groove. They'll get into it. They could talk. They could talk. So I, you pick Norman Rockwell. Well, then I you would pick go with Will. an obvious. If 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 N. C. Wyeth was is you know good at podcasting, I'd, I'd probably go with him. Okay, so you there's, there's a lot of things that I would want to know. Okay. Yeah. I would pick uh, Maurice Sendak. So, three point perspective oh. with Maurice yeah. Sendak, Norman Rockwell, and NC Wyeth. That would be quite a show. That would be. All right. A- now let's do the living version. Let's do the crappier version, which is Lee White, Jake Barker, <laughs> and Will Terry. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you Here, got. Now, well, this, is, this is what you got. This is the living, the living illustrator version. All right. Today's topic is Lee's um, Lee's uh, subject, so I'm going to let him take it, take it away, and here we go. Let's dive in. Do we need to mention that Will's uh, calling with a? He's not using his normal professional Howard Stern level microphone. He's on a just you're just on your iPhone, right? On well, my iPhone, yeah. That's right. Okay, Will so. is out of the studio. He's calling in from his phone. So if there's any sort of degradation in the audio sound on that part, uh, just roll with it. We're doing the best we can under the it's circumstances. Yep. Yep. Take yep. full credit. Full <laughs> okay, Shouldn't go, Lee. Our topic today. Wait, wait, hold on, Lee. Go now. Our topic today is everybody's on pins and needles now wondering what it is. Uh, it's on illustration assignments. Uh, and the reason for that is, you know, we've had a bunch of, of 
podcast where we talk about making better work and, and what kind of portfolio to have and what to include in your portfolio. But we never really talk about the illustration assignments themselves. And so hopefully my, my goal was to leave you guys with something, some grain that maybe you can use to start some new work or to flesh out a new portfolio. You know, we talk about style. If you're like, okay, I want to do this new style, but I really don't know what to draw and paint. Maybe, maybe this episode will, will help you out there. That sound interesting cool. enough? Sounds you guys? Good. I like it. Yeah. All right. So before we're going to go into, into uh, my thought was some of our favorite uh, assignments that we've given in the classroom. What's really interesting to me, and I'd like to hear Jake and Will's take on this is that, as a whole, illustration assignments, I mean, there's part of, part of the um, responsibility is on the student, you know, obviously, if you're going to do good work or bad work, but there's a lot of responsibility on the assignment itself. And have you guys had classes where you assign something and the whole class sort of flops and you're like, oh, yeah, that assignment was kind of faulty. It took me, it took, because I taught at UVU for nine years and it probably took about four or five to finally get my assignments where I felt like they, the rules were semi foolproof. But prior to that, mm. the first five years, yeah, everything was like, no, not like this. Read my mind. You <laughs> so you're, you're picturing you're so you're picturing a kind of result and they're not delivering that result. And you're like, okay, not at all. Or they're being like we talked about earlier. They're uh, for some reason looking for loopholes to get out of actually doing the assignment. So in other words, they knew, what we were trying to go for, but they, they took advantage of, of the lack of yeah. parameters, you know, but, to, do, but to, doesn't that, doesn't that contradict what you've said on another podcast? I'm, I'm going to push your, your buttons today because uh -oh. I want to start arguing. Oh, boy. But you said before, like, you know, you use every assignment to kind of weasel yourself into it. How, how do you make the distinction between those two things and what you're talking about there? Because there is a you distinction. Mean, you mean when I was a student, I tried to do that? Is that what you're well, saying? Well, no, I mean, we had, a, we had another episode. I remember we were talking about it and like we were saying that the goal, anytime you get an assignment, is like, okay, how can I do the assignment and, and also get what I need to get out of it? You know what I mean? Oh, gotcha, like, how do yeah. you sort of tweak it? Um, so, so are you saying that's different? Yeah, so the difference is, um, what I'm, what I'm talking about in trying to get out of an assignment is maybe your it's your intent on how much to work. So the person trying to get out of the assignment is trying to decrease their workload and they don't care about the result. And the person oh. who is trying to make it their own and, and tweak the, the rules to their benefit doesn't care how much time it takes because they're committed and they're going to spend all the time it takes. And they're really concerned with the end result. So they're completely polar opposite ideas. Yeah, one, no, that's a one, good distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so I want to start, I, I agree with that 100%, by the way. Um, so I want to start out with some of the just bad assignments that we got as when we were students, or maybe bad assignments that, that, that we've given, maybe just a couple. One of the ones that I'm going to pick on in art school, because there are some bad assignments, and you can waste a lot of time in school. And maybe we'll disagree on this too. But the self-portrait, yeah. what is going on with the self-portrait yeah. in art school? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's and the it, one I, I was thinking about. <laughs> there's like 10 of, I did like 10 of them. Like, okay, this is a self-portrait in black and white. This is a self-portrait with, with me made out of fruit. This is a self-portrait. I mean, it was every version yeah. of a self-portrait. I think what's going on there is it's easier. Like the, the, what I think what's at the core of it is they want you to do a portrait. and for lack of, you know, having to 
you know, track down a person, nail a person down for a couple of hours to sit for you. It's just easier to say, let's do a self-portrait. Cause I, 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 I'm willing to bet that that assignment came out of, Oh, I couldn't finish it cause I couldn't get anybody <laughs> no to sit mom. for three hours. Hmm. <laughs> Can I give you my take on why teachers do lazy assignments? Sure. Mm-hmm. Because they're lazy. Boom, Will Terry going out the Here's the thing, here's the thing though. <laughs> and it and it so one, they don't know what to do because it, it's it's not easy to, to generate a good assignment. You really have to do a lot of soul searching, a lot, a lot of thinking, a lot of trial and error, you know, and you have to really care about your students. And there I think there you know, one of the problems with with our, our system is you're gonna get paid. And this is especially true in art because results are not, this is my theory, results are not trackable by the average um, college administrator. So in other words, everyone knows if you're getting, if, if, some, if a student is, is um, thriving in math mm-hmm. and English and science and all those things, they're trackable. Either you know your testing is good or your or your testing is bad. Your writing is good or your writing is bad. But with art, you know, especially especially in fine art, it's well. This is this is this is what I do. You know, like so the te- I think teachers, I think teachers, bad teachers especially can hide in colleges because no one's looking, no one's tracking, no one's no one's accountable, and so it's easy. You're going to get paid the same whether you give the self-portrait assignment or whether you spend, you know, the next three to five years trying to develop your own really good assignments. So you're saying the, self, the self-portrait is sort of just filler for most teachers, you think? I think so. Yeah. Oh, I just hate it. I got, then yeah. then the, the, only, the only criteria for success on the self-portrait is does it look like you? And then it just feels so goofy. Yeah. Even painting them feels really good because you got the mirror and you're looking up, but you're trying to paint yourself at an angle, you know, and right, so it's, just, right. <laughs> it's so goofy. Let me be clear. There's, there are, I've met tons of really good teachers who in college who knock it out of the park. It's just that what I think what you're talking about is that there's, there are teachers that kind of just phone it in. And that's Absolutely. what I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. If there's, and I also think, aside from that, I think there's just standing art assignments that have never been critically looked at for why are we doing this thing? Right. I mean, I sort of thought, I think that about, I, I think drawing the nude figure is, is good for a term or two. I think there's too much focus on it because you could, you could draw anything. Like, I mean, come yeah. ask the average college student to draw a vehicle. Just go they out can. on the street and they cannot draw it. It's way, well, and, and, people, and people develop a shtick for drawing the figure to where it, they understand just the basic land so well and they're almost not even having to try anymore. You know what I mean? There's only so right. many shapes you can yeah. move around in space. No, that's a, that's a good point because then because there's so emphasis on figure drawing, then they fill their uh, portfolios with that. And they're astonished when they're like, you know, right. a, like a, a future employer doesn't care about the figure drawings themselves. They want to see how does, how does that knowledge translate to an illustration? Right. Right. At Art Center, there was a big push on, uh, a big focus. You know, Steve Houston was a teacher there and, and Vilpu and all those guys in LA uh, for, you know, these really pretty stylized, almost boxed lay-ins. Like, like the lay-in of drawing the figure became a thing in and of itself. It, you know, for those guys, that's just a means to 
the end, which it eventually becomes a finished painting or whatever. But this lay-in was really funny. So he had all these students who were doing these really pretty boxes and connecting the boxes together and almost like robot people sort of. But then when the pose would get past like 15 minutes and there's no more boxes to draw, they would have no idea what to do. And they just sit there and draw that all day. But, but they get compliments and compliments. Yeah, for years they would draw those. And then, like you said, Jake, they would come time to show your final portfolio. And all they got are these lay-ins of these figures. It's kind of goofy. Yeah. Um, any other bad assignments that kind of uh, you guys can remember? I had a, so I had a variation of the self-portrait. You're supposed to draw yourself as an animal. <laughs> wow. So what, what animal best represents you, but, but the, 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 the animal actually had to look like you too. So it's like, a, you know, there's, there's some artists that would like, okay, I'm just going to draw me as a cow and I'll do cow ears and horns, but it's my face, you know? Right. And, uh, and I don't know what, what I was I was just like, I'm not into this assignment at all. I want to create a portfolio that has cool concept art in it. So uh, instead of the portrait, I drew two characters in an environment and they're putting on jetpacks and they're going to fly over to the city in the sky, right? And one of the, and there were these two animals. One was a raccoon, one was like a, like a gazelle or something. And I drew myself as a gazelle. I just put my hairstyle on the gazelle. <laughs> <laughs> with with my eyes and uh and turned it in and my teacher was just like this isn't what i asked for at all and i was like i don't care i don't care i'm not trying to get a good grade i'm trying to build a portfolio for some reason when i hear that assignment the only thing i think of is thundercats uh, like i can't think of any other cats i don't know why it's like the perfect combination of right. a human and a <laughs> animal you know what's funny is that assignment would be would probably be a dream assignment for some people, which is kind of scary. Let's give some extra credit. If anybody wants to post uh, SVS uh, or well, we don't have that post here, we should talk about our sponsor, SVS Learn. But I'd love to see all three of us as Thundercats if anybody has an ex some extra time. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 People <Which>, have drawn. <laughs> which Thundercat would you be, Lee? <laughs> don't say snarf. <laughs> well terry's definitely a panthro uh, lion perhaps i don't know you'd be lion for sure no you'd be wily kit i don't even know that one is that <laughs> one? the two kids it's one of the two kids <laughs> could i be uh like a chupacabra or something like that all right moving on <laughs> this is, no. we're really <laughs> another bad Sorry. assignment another bad assignment is that life and death one for me is it oh, what is and that the, uh just draw life and death you know i've seen that one done so many times so it's you know it's it's so vague yeah um that one as a teacher you know you're getting you know and maybe there's 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 good and bad there's pros and cons to everything so that the good side is that you're forcing the students to be really creative so so let me just say that you know, defend it a little bit by saying that. But the, me, for me, the problem is that you end up getting, um, you get these, you get really weird stuff that doesn't look like illustration, <clears throat> excuse me, and it doesn't fit in a portfolio and it outs itself when the student graduates. It's, it, if a lot of times if they leave it in their portfolio, it does, it just looks like a student assignment. You know, it right, doesn't look right. like a professional piece at all. And so, 
I prefer to give assignments where uh, the viewer of the portfolio can't tell if it was an actual job or not. And, and I think you can give those early on still, you know, I mean, you can make them more simple, right. but you can, you can make them so that a potential art director or an editor would look at them and go, Oh, what was this for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, not yeah. automatically like, well, I'm going to skip past that because that was obviously a student piece. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I've never had the life and death one, but I had the, I had love and hate and you had to put them in the same or no, 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 sorry. Your, your, your biggest love, your biggest fear and love. And they had to be in the same illustration. So the same kind of thing, you're just really forcing two things and it looked really forced, sometimes really creative, but you're totally right. Like if I put that in a children's book portfolio, it would look so goofy but can generate some, some cool stuff. Um, all right. I'm going to segue cause I'm going to start out with bad stuff for, I mean, we mainly do books between us three and, 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 and the classes we teach deal with books. I want to talk about uh, an assignment that I think is bad sort of, and I'll segue into the good version of that as we get into the, the good assignments that you guys may want to try out. And that is the, the dummy. If you've ever taken a children's book class, uh, especially an advanced children's book class, a lot of times you're going to be asked to make a dummy. I've done that for in my book classes as well. I, of course, uh-huh. like years ago, I would say that's a good assignment. Now I think it's a bad assignment. Mm. Oh, How yeah. So? Jake perks up finally. <laughs> what? Puts down the cintiq. Puts down you know, the stylus. That's on Jake's list of one of the best assignments to give. <laughs> You're going to have to change it up. Um, here, let me, I'll justify. So you make a whole dummy. The, the I, typical thinking that goes into that is you make the, the whole dummy. You, you write a manuscript or you get some pre-existing script and make the whole dummy, polish it up a, a little bit all the way through. Then you polish up a couple of favorite illustrations and then you paint those. And that's typically how a children's book illustration class works. Um, the problem is, the finish and depending on how the finish looks can change the nature of how the dummy is built. And so what, what I do now is I, I do go through and do some thumbnailing to get, uh, to get sort of like a rough script. I don't, wouldn't call it a dummy yet. And then I go ahead and make um, a couple of finished pieces. And that's how I'm going to segue into the good ideas. Um, doing a dummy without, without trying out the finish is the bad portion of that. And that's kind of mm. where I'll land with that. But so the three illustrations that I like to do now, if I'm going to do a book dummy, um, is I pick the hardest illustration in the whole manuscript. If there's a hard passage that I don't know how I'm going to do it or whatever, I'm going to focus on that one. I pick a my favorite piece, the piece that I think is going to be the best illustration in the whole book. And, and then I pick a random one after that. So I do three pieces and I take them to full finish. And it's amazing how having those three pieces informs the building of a children's book dummy. Hmm. And, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying that's cool, but would you have your class do that as an assignment? Oh, too? yeah, absolutely. I would have them pick, uh-huh. yeah, especially if the manuf- manuscript's already written, I would have them go ahead and do a couple of finished pieces, even if those pieces don't end up being in the finished dummy or the finished book. Uh-huh. Um, and the cool thing about having those finished pieces, too, is you can now talk intelligently with an art director. If they say, you know, you're pitching your dummy and mm-hmm. – you've got the finished pieces and you're saying, okay, this is why, you know, this is driving this kind of design sensibility or this stylistic approach. One of the things that um, caused me to rethink that was I was working with an art director and I was doing full illustrations. This was for a book called uh, 
Crazy Day at the Critter Cafe. I think it was like my fifth or sixth book. And my art director, I sent in full illustrations. So I was doing full scenes of, and it all takes place inside a restaurant for the most part. And, uh, and they were normal scenes. They were quirky, like my normal style of quirkiness, but they were full scenes. You know what I mean? Like background, foreground, you know, ground plane and walls and all that stuff. And she just kind of ripped, I submitted a, um, a couple of the illustrations and she completely cut out my backgrounds. And she, we then started treating the design work like a play where we're moving uh, you know, set pieces in like a table or, or, or a chair or a countertop or whatever, you know, pertain to that particular scene. But the background was totally flat. And there was no, there was no environment, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so if you know that that's going to be your finish, it change, it would change the entire dummy. Whereas if you just start with the whole dummy, you're just going to draw it like you normally draw it. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point to, like take real life experience from how how it actually works in in you know in reality and apply that to what would the assignment be that reflects that 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 gets a student to be able to do that when that when they're faced with that in their career right i think another exactly. thing that that goes along with that is if you give i've tried doing a, a book dummy as an assignment and it didn't work either and part of the reason is because the story is is only most never f fleshed out. So it's a, it's a huge problem right. to have. Like, you know, like, so if your story isn't perfect and you start working the dummy, all it does is reveal all the problems in the story. And that, and it created, right. I created a mess cause I had a, I taught a children's book class, you know, at, at the university and the whole semester, the, the first time I kind of went in there going, this is going to be great. You guys are going to come out of here with a book dummy. And all it, the class really did was reveal how bad everyone was at writing. And they were all frustrated <laughs> that I kept saying, well, this doesn't really work because right. you haven't, you know, so, and without ever having tried to write a book, if you're listening to this and you haven't tried to write a children's book, it's much harder than you would think. Um, you know, you have to have your, and I'm not even good at it. That's, that's mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so here's the yeah, blind. If you if blind. you haven't done a book dummy, it's a good point. If you haven't done a book dummy before, like drawn one out, you definitely don't want to do it with something that you're writing out. I would say. Yeah. Um, right. And the problem with most illustrators are, and I was, I'm including myself in there, is that we want to illustrate the, we want to write the book so we can illustrate it. <laughs> we don't want to write it for the writing's sake, usually. Right. And in order to write a good children's book, you have to be in love with the writing part as much as the illustrating part. And you have to, you have to spend so much time getting the writing completely finished. It, it, it has to be workshopped. It has to be critiqued. It has to be massaged. It has to be refixed and edited and rewritten and rewritten and rewritten until finally it's perfect. And then you start the book dummy and it's almost impossible for most beginning author illustrators to, to actually give the story it's you know it's it's due diligence so yeah in my classes i never let people have the option of using their own writing you yeah know, just, i stopped I, doing that too yep yeah yep. mm -hmm. yeah i started i just said pick a fairy tale of a, a, you know and then they started picking obscure ones that were dumb <laughs> you know and so why I'm were like, they dumb <laughs> uh they would pick they would pick a story that just wasn't a good story somehow you know hmm. and it was you know and so i was like you just pick a nursery rhyme mm -hmm. just redo a nursery. if you want to fracture it you can fracture it but it's got to have the story arc that 
we'll hold it I together. Did a, I did a variation of this for concept art class. Uh, so I taught for a few semesters, I taught um, uh, concept art at, at, uh, at BYU there. And I told them we're all going to do Wizard of Oz or we're all going to do Jack of the Beanstalk. And you guys can be creative within those boundaries. So you could do sci-fi right. Jack and the Beanstalk. You could do, you know, stuffed animal Jack and the Beanstalk, but it has to be that story. And you're going to need to design the giant. You're going to need to concept out what does a Beanstalk look like? What does Jack look like? You know? And, uh, and the reason I did that is because I tried it once where I was like, okay, come up with a, a story that you need to concept out, you know? And, and really they, they spent all this time thinking, what's the story? And the drawing's like the last thing, you know, last <laughs> right. thing on their mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Same idea. Totally same idea. All right. So what's some, what's some favorite uh, assignments that you guys have either given or bit or received as a student that, that generated good results for, for most of the class? Yeah. Well, well, draw 50 things is actually the best assignment. Draw 50 <laughs> things is the best assignment you could ever give. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Please explain. That's on my bad list, by the way. So, I know, I know. <laughs> Lee, I got to convert you. So here's the thing. In the, in the attempt to get people to organize and design and compose an image, I found that, that students would, would – um, they would eliminate things. They would leave things out. They would um, – they would oversimplify in order to give themselves less work. And sometimes you can do that successfully, but other times, you know, if, if the story or the narrative that you're trying to illustrate describes a lot of intricate detail, you know, like let's say it describes a wizard shop and there were, you know, cages and potions and, you know, on and on and books and spells and, you know, and this is this, this is this business, you know, this place of business that's got all this, all these items in there, it's going to be really hard to make it. It's funny because I had students, I'd give that assignment and they would almost always default to making a wizard shop that looked like it had just been looted. You know, like all the stuff was, had just been stolen out and there was hardly <laughs> anything in there, you know? And I'm like, and the reason was they were not good at, not, I don't think we're not naturally good at overlapping objects. I don't think that we're um, naturally good at grouping objects together. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that when, we're, when we design an image with a lot of stuff in it, one of the biggest things that happens is we lose the focal point. The focal point be, ends up being something random that just sort of happens because you, didn't, you don't know how to maintain your focal point. So the, the, the Draw 50 Things assignment that is actually a class at svslearn.com is – um, was designed so that you could learn how to, in the midst of chaos, still bring a lot of order and maintain emphasis, aka focal point, into your drawing. And I would, I would work, uh, I was teaching an imagination visual literacy class, which the whole semester was geared towards that one assignment. So where you might think it's, I think where you think it might I think you think it's the bad assignment because of how complicated it is. We worked the whole semester. I'm putting words in your mouth, right? <laughs> I actually think it's a great, I'm, I'm totally kidding with you. Okay. I, I really do think it's a great assignment. Uh, and it is something that people struggle with, especially if it's something that you've noticed that people are naturally shying away from because it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It is really hard. 
And what that means is nobody's going to have that in your portfolio. So the whole idea, right, is, is that a good illustration assignment, you do it, it ends up in your portfolio or a version of it ends up in your portfolio. And then you take it and you show it to somebody. And if you're showing something that 99% of the other people are avoiding because it's too hard, all of a yeah. sudden now you're going to get some interest from an art director or an editor or publisher or whatever. So I yeah. love it. I mean, I, and I struggle with it too. I mean, I, I, I have no problem putting 50 items in a scene. I know how to control a focal point, but golly, it's, it's just for my attention span. I know when I'm doing a 50 things drawing, cause my whole book, my whole book I'm working yeah. on right now is a 50 things drawing. Every drawing, every single spread uh -huh. is complicated. <laughs> and I know that because my temperament is like all of a sudden I'll think that I need to organize my computer cables or some other like random <laughs> task. <laughs> like, I, I'm just, I feel like I, I need an omelet. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, out of eggs, better go to the grocery store. <laughs> totally right. But I will <laughs> say, I will say that your images, the images for your bookly are amazing. Oh, I appreciate right? that. Cause you've shown us. Yeah, they're, they're great. And so you are good at it. And I know what you're saying. I think what you're saying is, you know, that you're in for a long design session. It's it doesn't hard. come super easy. Yeah. See, I love, I love that stuff. That's like my, my, yeah. my jam is, is cramming as much stuff into an image as, uh, as, as possible. And the thing that, that I had two like, sadistic. Two, I know I had two like <laughs> aha moments that got me to this point. And one was, um, giving everything dimension so it used to be that's like oh, i don't want to draw a bookshelf and so i draw like the flattest bookshelf and i do just like vertical strokes like these are the books and part of me was like one day i was like you know what let's let's do let's really draw each book as if it had dimension to it and so by treating each book as like a uh you know rectangular three-dimensional object i could go in there and push some books in and pull some books out and i actually started like enjoying um drawing these things because i made it fun to draw where I, whereas um before it was like oh it's 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 this overwhelming thing i just want to get it done as possible as soon as possible now it's like i'm drawing a book oh i get to draw another book oh i get to draw another book and they're yeah. looking good together and and they're you know it's it, i think what it too it was like i'm I'm building out this world like it actually exists and not just a backdrop. Like if you zoomed in close, you could, you know, pull that book off the shelf and, and read it. Right? right. That was one thing. The other one was just learning to break it down into um, not thinking oh, I've got to draw all these 50 things, but I'm just drawing one object or I'm drawing this group of objects here. And first they're going to be a blob. And I could turn this blob into smaller blobs. So over here is going to be a bookshelf. Okay, that's, I'll just draw a blob. Okay, now this blob needs to be shelves. Okay, so that's easy. I can draw shelves. And now these shelves need to have little blobs on them that represent the books. Okay, blobs for books. Oh, I could turn these blobs for books into, you know, uh, actual books. And so just looking at it like that, like just one step at a time turning blobs into something real is is like so much easier for me than thinking i've got to do all 50 things right and, and at the same time just start on one side and work my way across no i mean that's that highlights exactly why this assignment is great is that you figured out 
kind of your approach on it and you figured out something that that keeps your interest the entire time i had to do the same thing with this because i didn't have precedent really i've been doing simpler and simpler images all of a sudden i'm confronted with a whole book of complicated images and so the the method i came up with sort of the same i, I did big blobs of for everything to just try to get the focal point right what mm -hmm. will was talking about whether it's whether that's color emphasis by color emphasis by scale emphasis by design whatever get that big overall kind of um, simple design working. And then I, I would make mine into a plus like quadrants mm -hmm. and I would black out three quarters of the image. So I can only see 25% of the image and I would zoom in just on that 25% and then start just drawing what's in that little mm -hmm. square. And it became so much more manageable and, and controllable. And then I would turn off that mask, you know, every now and again, just to make sure everything's kind of working together. Um, but you know, you got to confront your demons with stuff like that. I think it's, I think it's a solid assignment. I, I totally agree with, um, with Will there. So if you guys haven't tried that, you can come over to the, to Will's class. He's got a video on that and it's how, how many uh, sessions is the video? How long is the video? You know, offhand, I can't exactly remember. Is it just so, one assignment though? Or do you walk them through techniques? How, how does the... How do, how do you it's teach pretty much, that? It's, it's the one assignment, but it's broken down into, into um, steps. So it's basically just steps, stepping you through. Good. Um, yeah, and, and, and if you break anything down, you know, like <clears throat> any, any big task you have, like, like just moving, you know, moving from a, an apartment to another apartment or to a house or something, it's a daunting task. Where do I start? And sometimes mm -hmm. if you just say, I'm going to pack three boxes today, of knickknacks mm -hmm. and then I'm done and I get to go do something that I want to do. It, it's, it's, you know, it takes away the daunting nature of it, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's basically what I'm trying to do with that class is say, first, just concentrate on this. Second, just concentrate on this, that type of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Okay. So for you, those of you guys following the first assignment that we gave option was if you're doing a children's book, go ahead and if you're doing a dummy, go ahead and do three finished pieces from it. The hardest piece your favorite piece and then any other random piece just to make sure the dummy's going to work with what your finish is going to be. Next one is draw 50 things. Um, and you can go on to svslearn.com if you want to see more about that. We're not trying to really push these classes. I promise this is not a, an ad, but, <laughs> but we are taking, you know, we, we've taught videos and, and we teach it at different colleges and stuff. We're trying to take the best stuff that we have learned over, over time. And we do have some resources for it. So just, just letting you guys know that. Um, all right, that's that's Will's first one. Jake, do you have a, a favorite assignment or anything that's generated the best uh, results for? I, you know, here's here's one. It's not like a huge uh, undertaking, but when I give the assignment, when I have given it in the past, there's a lot of like, you know, the eyes get big. Like, really, that's what you want us to do? And this is draw fifty hands. Um, and so people, it's, people are now turning off our podcast. They're, ter <laughs> they're terrified <laughs> from these assignments. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So the thing is, is um, uh, fill a page or you know several pages in your sketchbook with different hands. And what I'll what I'll give them is um, you know a, a reference sheet of a bunch of computer or computer a bunch of animated. Um, hand model sheets and uh and they could use those for reference or they can draw their own hands or someone else can pose a hand for them but it has to be 50 hands in 50 different poses 50 different angles whatever 
And, um, and I show them, here's how you draw a hand. These are the basic like shapes. This is the anatomy of a hand and go do it. And for some reason, like, you know, sometimes students come back and they've drawn 20, 25 and, and just ran out of steam. But the ones that do all 50, they're like, at the end of this, I was actually like, I felt good about drawing hands. I, I, I felt more confident with it. And, um, and I felt like I understood what a hand is instead of just, you know, this thing that I try to avoid putting at the end of an arm, <laughs> which right, is right. <laughs> the reason for that too. It's like, I, and I tell them too, like you could really dif- distinguish between the good artists and the so-so artists by how well those artists draw hands. Right. And the so-so artist is going to hide the hands. It's going to put them in pockets, going to put them behind the back or when they do draw them, you're going to look at it like, Oh, were they in an accident, you know, or <laughs> right. was it an afterthought? Uh, uh, but the good artists embrace the hands. They use them to show emotion, to, to show expression from the character even more. And so, um, and so that's why I give that assignment is to get them to overcome that fear of, of drawing hands. Right. I have a similar assignment like that. It's called hide 50 hands. <laughs> Fifty characters <laughs> with no hands. That's a you know that's a skill too. It's a legitimate skill. Everybody's hands are just out of frame. <laughs> I can't see them. What's funny is I I sat down because I'm writing um, I'm writing a how to like a how to draw book right now for it's like the Inktober handbook um, and it's it's not just how to ink but it's a lot of my like how to draw type of things and one of the things is 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 the assignment is to draw 50 something some things like draw 50 hands or if you're not good at ears draw 50 ears or if you're struggle with feet draw 50 feet and so for this i was like well i need an image for this page i guess i actually have to go draw 50 hands (laughs) and I was dreading it. I was putting it off. I was putting it off until finally like, well, this is due tomorrow. <laughs> I, I better sit down and do That's this. That's funny. And I sat down for two or three hours one afternoon and, and pulled up all this reference and I sat down and started drawing. And I saw me who's been drawing for years and who is, you know, somewhat okay, confident with my hand drawing abilities, seeing how much <laughs> better I got after sitting down and doing that assignment and understanding things that I hadn't understood before. So I think that's an assignment, not just for, uh, you know, the, the younger artists, but, but someone who's more seasoned should probably sit down and, and, and try it. I like it. I like it. That's good. I've never done that. That's it terrifies me. My, my characters keep getting smaller and smaller within my spreads and my images. And mm-hmm. so I never get a chance to draw. Hand. I mean, a hand is a dot if I'm lucky, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I need, I need to do some close-ups of some characters maybe. Um, all right. I'm going to give you guys an assignment that will give you the keys to the universe. Oh boy. This, will, this will give you, this is the ingredients for Caldecott. Oh, I'm listening. <laughs> I should listen to it because I haven't won it yet. So I'm not taking <laughs> my own advice. Um, okay, this is my Chris Van Alsberg assignment. So one thing I noticed with Chris Van Alsberg is he has a shtick. And I was looking for an assignment that generates good results. As teachers, we want the whole class to perform well. And like I said earlier, you can... Real quick, uh, just remind people who Van Alsberg is. 
Chris Van Alsberg is a well, that's coming because it's part of part of where I'm going with it. Um, right. So Chris okay, Van Alsberg, a famous illustrator, he's won multiple Caldecotts, but the basis of his storytelling is one little kind of angle, and that's the angle that I give for this assignment, and that is, for lack of a better, it's really. Uh, inarticulate how I'm going to say this, but you take something out of its natural setting and put it somewhere else and magic ensues. So if you take, mm. if you take the jungle and put it in a suburban neighborhood, you have Jumanji. If you take a house and put it in space, you have Zathura. If you take a train and you put it, take off the tracks and put it in the North Pole, you have the Polar Express. And so if you look at it, at every book that he's done from that angle, just take one thing and move it to another setting where it's not expected, you get good results. That was my hypothesis. So I tested it on an illustration class and, <laughs> and oh man, it's crazy. You start to change and, and you can change scale, you can change function, you can change whatever you want to there, but you know, it has to be a recognizable item. I'll give you an example of um, one of my students uh, who is now a teacher at, at SVS, Sean Keenan, uh, he and I were doing an independent study together and I tested it on him first as he's sort of my guinea pig and we decided we were doing portfolio level images and and that was the hypothesis you have to move something to somewhere else where it doesn't go and so we came up with the idea of these archaeologists who were who were um, digging in the ice and you know frozen tundra and they came across these just mammoth scale ants so it's these things that are normally small and definitely not in ice environment. And we made them huge, you know, 200 foot tall head. And these, these archeologists and, and, and workers are all digging these things out. And then we got probably 10 of the most interesting images I've ever seen just from that premise. And we didn't have to write a story or anything. It's like them basically uncovering the giant ant head and then, you know, helicopters lifting this thing out of this environment. And it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. And so if you just looked at Chris Van Ellsberg's, um, you know, his history and all his books and stuff and see how he did that. You know, if you've, if you've read The Wreck of the Zephyr, that was one of my favorite Van Ellsberg's books. Yeah, I love that one. Same that thing. So good. Same exact thing. It's all, it's all good. And so it's, it's sort of a, a no-miss kind of illustration assignment, even though it's quite broad. It tends to work really well. It'll at least start to generate images that I think are important because – wherever whatever item you move to its location that shouldn't it shouldn't be you take it out of its normal setting whatever you decide to do it's going to be unique to you and when an art director sees that i guarantee you they will have never seen it before and that's it's hard to do unless you use my this secret formula that i just gave everyone i just want a little cut of all your career payouts from the success you're going to have <laughs> <laughs> But no, seriously, nothing is free, guys. <laughs> nothing is free. <laughs> but it's, it's weird when you give an assignment and the entire class does it, and everybody's images are all of a sudden elevated. Those are the kind of assignments that all of a sudden I start to pay attention to because it it changed the whole group, not just not just the one good kid in class or the two good kids. It changed everybody. That's awesome. Yeah, it's super cool. That's cool. I actually, you you like gave me. You, that is, in a nutshell, what Chris Van Allsburg is. And it made me realize, like, oh, it's so simple. <laughs> it's <Right>. like, <laughs> it's deceptively simple. <laughs> oh, now the curtain's been pulled back, right? It's like a magic trick. And if you don't know right. the trick, it looks hard, but not, it's not rocket science. 
Right. So Caldecott's should be coming for everybody. That's right. <laughs> yep. All right. I'll, I'll have you in my acceptance speech. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> is, there, uh, is there an accepted speech for Caldecott? I don't, there I don't there know. is. I, I think oh, all this stuff be. happens. Yeah, all this stuff happens if you win it. I don't, I don't know much about it because I'm just disgruntled. And, well, you're, you're, you, so you give your speech at the, the summer ALA, American Library Association convention. Oh. Right. In front of a ballroom of, you know, a banquet room of like a thousand people. Oh. So it's pretty cool. I've watched a couple of them. That's why I watched Brian Selznick give his talk. He gave an amazing talk. Um, I was going to say something else and I forgot. Who wants to take the reins? You got another assignment, Will? I've got one. How about uh, fixing deviant art characters? (laughs) So at the end of, towards the end of the semester, I have done drawovers for my students on their characters and I pull the, flip the, the table and say okay now it's your turn so i i have figured out how to get the worst images off of deviantart <laughs> and what you do is you you search you have to change the filter so that you get uh, more current uploads okay so research because just time the, the time the, based yeah that the site will automatically curate for you know the best over time so you want to you want to get out of that default and you want to go over to the current slop that's being uploaded from the junior high kids that day <laughs> which for them is amazing i want to state that but it but you know i mean obviously there's going to be a difference in skill level between junior high and college and so hopefully college kids can can uh take what they've learned and take some of these these characters and fix them and by fixing someone else's mistakes it'll help you learn how to to draw so you know i i would uh have my students do that and and go over them and then I would look at their work and then I would do I would do a draw over as well and say this I think you got this right here's another thing that I would would do differently and and a lot of times it's just the mechanics of the drawing you know like uh I think people tend to draw characters flat a lot of times mm-hmm. they tend to they, their perspective is off so you'll see like where the belt goes around that ellipse won't match the same perspective as, as, um, pant legs. Um, you know, the camera angle is, is got conflicting things. Um, and another big common mistake is that they don't put the character in a three dimensional space. So it ends up looking like an Egyptian drawing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you draw and you pull things out and you, you make, you know, one leg bigger than the other, things like that. Yeah, Just that's good. How did, how did it work? Were the results um, solid? Did people learn it, better? It works well because they, they I can tell, even though they don't often do a really great drawover, they are making some improvements or they're at least trying. They can, they can see where the problems are. And that's really what I want them to see is, mm-hmm. you know, where, they, where the problems are. And that would be a daily assignment. That would be an assignment that I give during class. Right. Um, and it would just be like a participation type assignment. So small little thing exercise to go through i do i do like so, that one, one of the things that's missing from a lot of classes especially if you guys watch uh, uh a lot of youtube demos is what happens when things go wrong and that th- what you're saying will is sort of a version of that is like you you now have to fix something but it's one of the one of the if, if you guys are the listeners are watching youtube demos one of the problems is they don't mess up and so all of a sudden your image doesn't look like theirs and it's hard to fix to bridge that gap 
I don't know if yeah. you guys have ever experienced that, but I did when I was trying to learn watercolors, like, like doing a big wash on, on a big piece of watercolor paper and getting it smooth. And those people, when they're doing the demos, it just looks perfect. And then mine's all streaky and they don't ever talk about that part of it. Like, how do you fix the mistakes? Um, so is it possible to learn in the confines of your own bedroom because of that limitation? What do you guys think about that as a student teacher kind of relationship? Yeah, that's a good question. I I do feel like there needs to be an element of seeing firsthand how uh, a piece is made start to finish. And, you know, even if you're, uh, if you're learning from home, like that's why I think, YouTube is so valuable because there are artists who share on there. Like, here's how I create things start to finish. Uh, I definitely didn't have that, but also just any sort of online course where it's a demo, a start to finish demo. Like that's super, super handy to, mm-hmm. to pay attention. But if, to. if anybody is a teacher and is listening and you're doing these kind of videos, show what happens when people mess up. Right. That's, that is a hard thing to capture. And it is, I will admit, it is a weakness in my classes that I have on SVS. I don't know mm-hmm. if, I, if we're ready for this level of honesty. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's hard on a lot of, for a lot of levels. One, you know, you're, as a teacher, you're trying to show the right way to do something. One thing that get, does get lost in my creation of an image is just how long I have to stay with in the design phase of starting another thumbnail over another comp over getting a thumbnail to a comp and going, it's just not as good as I want going back to thumbnail. Those sometimes the process is shorter than others. Sometimes it's longer. Sometimes it morphosizes through, you know, even after the comp and gets into more of the finished drawing. And then I'm, I'm, I'll, that will reveal more mistakes. And I tried to, put a lot of that stuff into draw 50 things where you can see things moving around um, until you get to the, the final drawing that I did for that class, which I actually drew like 113 objects in that image just to show anybody that 50 is nothing, you know? Right. Because <laughs> right. Um, I had students that were like, 50 is crazy, you know? And I'm like, well, how about 113? And they're like, well, 113 is crazy. But <laughs> 50s even crazier you know <laughs> and, um so yeah uh that's tough and the, the 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 thing that i think students need to realize over time is that you have to stay with your image the assignment that you're working on and it might take you five hours it might take you 10 hours it might take you 20 it might take you whatever it takes 30 40 50 but the but the bottom line is that it, it shouldn't matter whether you nailed it right away or whether you had to trash drawing after drawing after drawing so mm-hmm. that when you finally get to the drawing that's working, you've already wasted 10 or 20 hours on stuff that didn't work. And now you're finally on to something that really is working. And that right. is a hard concept to learn for as a student. I remember thinking, I've already spent, you know, eight hours on this assignment. How much should I be expected to spend? Well, how bad do you want to be a professional? You know? <laughs> yeah. How bad do you want a good image? I mean, that, yeah. you're, you're totally right. But so, sometimes once you make that switch, like you'll fight for it, fight for it. Something's not working. You finally just, when you get to the point where you say, I'm just going to redo it. 
man, that redo goes fast and it always mm-hmm. looks so much better the whole time. You just fix yeah. things along the way and you're just, I'm always surprised how easy the redo is. And then I think back and it's like, why did I hold on so tightly to that first version? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's one of my favorite things to do in, in workshops, uh, especially live workshops where I sit down and I'm like, I'm just going to make a drawing for you guys. You know, the sec- segment is going to be me drawing and I, I never nail it on the first try. It's always like, oh, that's not working. Oh, that's not working. Another piece of paper. Uh, okay, we're getting close. Another piece of paper. All right, here we go. And that's the feedback that I get so many times. It's like, hey, it was really cool to see you struggle and how you push through that and when you decided to abandon a piece and when you decided to stick with it. You know. Yeah. I have to say, that was my favorite thing about teaching with you, Jake, when we were doing the, the, the both of us in the class mm-hmm. when we first started SVS. Um, I couldn't tell you this then because it would, it would just make me feel so bad <laughs> on what I suck at. But I was, I was in awe with the other students of just watching how, um, how comfortable you were with failure or the potential to fail. Uh-huh. You know, like, like you, I'm like, this guy's a god. Like he just <laughs> he can he uh doesn't care if people watch him screw this thing up. And he knows he's so confident, he knows he's going to get it live in front of everybody. As we're recording, as I, the other teacher in the room, is sitting there watching. And I especially when you were doing those, I certainly couldn't have done it at that time. I can do it a little bit more now, but even the you know, the drawing part that I do. When I, when I do my work on my compositions, I definitely need time off camera to, to think and to work things out. Mm. It's live, real time. I panic a little bit still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you don't so want to end up looking foolish. That. Yeah. It's, it's hard to admit that, especially on this podcast. But you know what? It's also liberating to say, I'm not, <laughs> that's not one of my fortes. I can paint and color in front of anybody all day mm-hmm. long. And I never get you know, flustered or or worry about but as far as the composition goes i love the compositions i come up with but i don't like doing them live well that's okay i mean you don't everybody it doesn't have to i always say like we're we're not trained circus animals you know what i mean like you everybody's got a different strength and way they like working and and if you're okay with that i'm i'm really okay with public failure (laughs) so i don't i don't (laughs) i don't mind because I, i i don't know i've just done it enough i guess i mean that was one of my things in my classes all the classes I teach live is, is I'd get in there and get dirty and sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad, but I mean, I just like diving in there. So right. It doesn't really make me too, too nervous to do that, but I understand well, what, what scared me about. one time. <laughs> what scared me the most was one time Jake did one that really did suck. And I'm not, I'm not saying this to make a joke or anything. It really did. It was lackluster compared to what he can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking, okay, that one sucks. And if he can suck, and that's the one that you ended up with, Jake. It was, uh-huh. and I can't even remember which one it was. Because um, you've done so many that, that, that do great. But was it one the, was so uh, the rabbit carrying the elephant? Was that the one? No, but do you, do you feel insecure about that? We're going I into ther- therapy now. <laughs> I do feel insecure about that one. <laughs> it just made me go, okay. Because I, I started to get a little like, I could do this. I could be like Jake. And then you did that one. And I was like, okay, don't even ever try. <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny 
All right, so let's move on. Um, I'm going to give you guys another favorite assignment of mine that tends to work really well. This is more specific, though, uh, so it won't work for everybody's portfolio, but it's, it's a fun one to get things going on. This is a um, assignment that we, me and Dave, I got from David Hone, one of the guys I teach with a lot, and he and I used this in our illustration class at SVS, and I used it um, in when we taught live classes, and so did he, and that is the celebrity portrait with their pets. And so okay. the pet can be real or imagined, depending on who they are. But uh, but the idea is, is you have to include this pet. And then so it basically became a narrative, uh, a narrative portrait, and the um, the pet really did change the nature of drawing the celebrity because it had to kind of all work together. And the results that we got from that are always so interesting because it changes how you see a celebrity once the pet's been involved. Like, why do they have a certain pet? What's the nature of that pet? Is it, you know, you can have like a Mike Tyson with a little poodle dog will change the nature of an image, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it just becomes so easy to morph celebrities' images and, and, to, and to play around with their public perception and stuff. And we just always got really, really strong results from that. So then, you know, once we started getting strong results from that, I looked at kind of what's the common denominator there. And it sort of goes back to the Chris Van Allsburg thing. It's just introduces a new element um, or juxtaposes a new element that you haven't normally seen. And so if you guys are listening and you're like, oh, I don't want to do a celebrity portrait with pet, with a pet, is there a way to do an assignment that you might be working on where you introduce something that's not typical for that scene that you're working on? Mm-hmm. You guys That's ever cool. done? Yeah, the celebrity portrait with pets. So it's so good. I actually did a version of that when I was in school, and I did um, I did Bjork, and she had this. I can't remember if it was like a uh, I don't know, like a spirit animal or something like. A, but there was mm -hmm. something with a bee, uh, like a bumblebee that she was doing, and it was so much fun to have her zooming through this environment, riding this bumblebee, and uh, it was so much fun to do. So much better than if somebody says, "Hey, draw a celebrity portrait of Bjork." Yeah. You know, I just would have worried you know, about the likeness you know you know what a variation of that assignment would be is just draw yourself portrait as a as an animal like a thundercat <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> i had to because that's what everyone's thinking that is that's listening is like aren't you getting dangerously close <laughs> well, see, it doesn't because there's a juxtaposition there. It's not corny. You don't want to end up in the land of corny where you're getting some <laughs> weird assignment. But it, but you're totally right, though. That is a very specific kind of assignment. If you're going to be an editorial illustrator, that's something you could get for like, uh, you know, maybe a New Yorker or, you know, you got to, I always tell students to think about where this finished piece is going to go. And does that make sense for your career? If you're going to be a kid's book illustrator, that's probably a disastrous assignment to do. It won't work that much that well at all but if you're going to do editorial or you just got to think about where these things are going to end up and and who's going to use them and you know who's going to who would be interested in that if you're showing it as a as a portfolio piece yeah and i was totally kidding i mean like i could see it as you're making a statement with that with that animal you know someone who is ruthless you know maybe they have a snake that's mm -hmm. you know really, sure you know you know, or, you know, your, your example of Mike Tyson, where it's the, the pet is the complete opposite. Yeah. It's kind of fun. That's cool. fun. Yeah. All right. Hey, go ahead, Jake. Well, I was just going to do another assignment unless you had something else you wanted to. I have one last assignment too. So you go ahead. 
Okay. Because I want to end strong. So I think we should end the podcast strong. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Okay. Uh, This assignment is draw 100 somethings is what I call it. And um, (laughs) it's another variation. What it is, how it differs though, is I want you to take a, I don't know, an object like a boat. If you want to do vehicles or cars or things like that, take a car or take a boat or take a spaceship or an alien or, um, you know, a, a, a tough guy or something like that and draw a hundred variations of that character. They don't have to be big, fancy drawings. They can be small ones. But what happens is um, you could do 10 different boats pretty easily. You could do 20 different boat designs, you know, uh, it, it may start getting a little rough there on 19 or 20, but to go to 100, you have to push through some serious like creative blocks and you have to like dig deep to find um, uh, uh, some out of the box thinking, like how am I going to differentiate this boat design from the last 50 boat designs? What's 51 going to look like that makes it different? And, um, and the reason that, you know, I, I, uh, I give this assignment, I, it's it's really not a assignment I give in class, but it is an assignment that I've done myself, and it's a thing that I just tell artists you should be working on, maybe at the background of other things. So every day, do a few designs, and over the course of a year, you could finish this thing. And the people who have done it, myself included, are always amazed at how there's no like there really is no barrier once you figure out a way to get through it. So, well, what'll happen is you get to, you know, design number 30 and you're like, that's it. I'm out of ideas. And you, you tuck it away for a a week. And while you're out there, you're, you know, walking around experiencing life, uh, you know, driving down the street or something, you'll see like some object that'll spark an idea and you'll think, oh, I should do like a tuba boat. Like what would a boat look like if it was half tuba? you know, and then you sit down and you're like, oh, this, you know, that sparks another 10 ideas. And Mm -hmm. by the end of it, you're like, you realize, okay, there's really no limit. Like you cannot tap um, the creativity here. You can't tap it out. There is like, what would a, what would a Thundercat boat look like? Exactly. You know, or what would a (laughs) boat as yourself as an animal look like? (laughs) <laughs> I'm now it's funny because through this this podcast I'm getting a sense of what it would be like in in your classes and I know if I'm in Jake's class I'm gonna be drawing a lot of things. A lot of stuff. Yep. Start out with fifty hands and then I'm drawing a hundred boats. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of things. <laughs> well, well, and uh, Jake, I saw you do this assignment and you didn't you start out with fifty at first? I did a hundred. I did the hundred, but then I did another second hundred. So okay, so that's what it was. Total. I thought it was 50 and 50. I've been telling people wrong. So it was 100 and then you didn't. So you were probably going to finish that in your story and I just kind of. No, I, I was just going to leave it at that. But yeah, I, that's a good point is I did this myself. And when I got to 100, I thought, well, that, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'll do another 100. And so I ended up doing 200. Um, and what I was designing was I had a, it was basically like a robot alien type of character and how many different body variations I could do of that where it still felt like um, it was the same species, I guess, but 
you know, what I ended up thinking is what, what different um, niche could each of these designs fill? Like I've got one who's, um, you know, has an antenna on the top of its head. So it's a radio antenna character. Well, what would its counterpart be? Well, maybe there's a satellite one. So I designed one that looked like a satellite that, you know, would fly in the sky over it. And when I did like the tuba one, I did a tuba version of it. Right. Um, I thought, well, what other instruments could I do? So I did one that was like a punk rock version and he has speakers like built into his design and just stuff like that. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and it made me realize again, like when you sit down to do designs, don't your, your first, you know, your first handful don't have to be what's it. Like there's going to be more, there can be more and don't stop until you, you push through and you, you actually like, almost break it like right like you get it to you the start point getting where... sort of absurd and then go past that and go past mm-hmm. that and yeah that's right. great that's really good hey well before you give your last one since we wanted to end on the strong one i have another art school pet peeve <laughs> that i wanted to throw out there this one's Wait, a big before pet you peeve. say your pet peeve okay i just want to draw a parallel too here go so ahead. will said jake's so confident in drawing he's not worried about uh, uh, messing up because you know he's going to find that final drawing. And uh, Lee said, I realized you're, if you're in my class, you're going to be doing a lot of drawing. And I think that's what's going on there is um, I, I honestly feel like the best way to get good at drawing is to do so many drawings that you don't care about drawing anymore that that drawing just doesn't become like this stressful thing. Like you've done so yeah. many right. that it's almost like, it's like, I mean, you've, you, you run, right? And Will, you've played probably so many um, uh, games of, of racquetball that you're not stressing about like starting a game of racquetball. You're to the right. point now where you're like strategizing and thinking, you know, how am I going to tear this guy down? It, you know, what are the five different ways I could tear this guy down, right? It's not, it's not a stress thing. And, and the same thing with running. It's like when you first start out running, you know, the first time you ever run five miles, you're like, I can't believe I ran five miles. But after you've done a marathon, five miles is no big deal. Like that's a warm up, right? And so I think it's the same with drawing. After you've done thousands of drawings, when you sit down to do a drawing, you're not stressed about whether or not you're going to get a good drawing at the end of it. You know, okay, I've been, I've, I've, for the thousand good drawings I've done, I've done 10,000 bad drawings and I know what it takes to get through that and get to that good one. That's a, that's okay. a good point. Good, good uh, that's a, that is definitely a good point to bring up. You've desensitized yourself to that that anxiety that comes with starting a new drawing, basically, because you've started so many. Mm-hmm. That's that's great. All right, here's okay. my art, what's your art, pet peeve? Art school pet peeve. This one comes up a lot, and I, so I, I wrote it in bold. I just didn't have it on my screen at the time. <laughs> art school pet peeve: when teachers give a conceptual assignment at the same time they're giving a technical assignment. For example, like uh, come up with a, you know, a fairy tale, write a new fairy tale on your own. You're going to do an illustration of a fairy tale and you're going to do it in oil, even though you've never painted in oil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that happened <laughs> over and over. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah. funny because once you realize that, that lear- learning is so hard. If you can't control the medium, the chances of you getting a good 
illustration are like slim to none. And so I always divide my classes up into, am I trying to learn the technical side of this thing or am I trying to come up with content? And those are two very, very different things. Not that they don't overlap somewhat, but I always had my students when I'm doing a technical class where we're learning a medium, we would start out with everybody would just paint the ball. They would always paint a ball first, you know, a lit ball with a shadow. And, you know, you're starting out with acrylic, you're starting out in oil, pastel, whatever, digital, whatever you're doing. We'd always start with that because if you can't paint that simple thing, why do I want you to do a fairy tale if you can't paint a ball? And so yeah. just, you just need to distinguish that. Don't, don't, those, don't stack too many things up. Those ball assignments are lit. <laughs> 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 Jake's been by himself in the studio for too long. We didn't finish this podcast soon enough. <laughs> on that. Anyway, be careful if you're trying to learn technical stuff. Learn the technical stuff. Don't worry about the content too much. Just be sure that you can execute and then, you know, get soft shadows or, or soft edges if you need a soft edge or a hard edge if you need a hard edge. Um, but don't combine those things together because it's just going to be a mess and you're not going to learn what you need to learn. Will, do you agree with that or disagree? Agree. I don't, I don't like the, yeah, I don't like putting too many limitations on students just because it's like, and I get, I get why a student or a teacher would want to load an assignment with, I'm going to have them learn this, that, and by the end they're going to learn all these things all at once, you know, cause you only have a limited amount of time with your students. Right. Right. But yeah, you can you can overload. Yeah, so they're not they're Overloading. not really getting either. They're not getting a good illustration conceptually, and then they're not executing well technically. And the, and the problem is, I think for a student, it, the only way you can stay with an assignment and give it the amount of time that it really needs is if you fall, you're falling in love with it as you're doing. So if it's yeah. becoming a disaster because you can't control the medium, you're gonna you don't want to stay with it. You don't want to. You don't want to go through the last, right? You know, the eighty percent of of the massage of finishing up that. Yeah, that and is. if you so, if yeah. you want to have a lot, if you want to have a lot of fun with illustration, your technical side of stuff. This is going to reinforce kind of what Jake was saying earlier, but your technical side of the, of the illustration needs to be so good that you don't have to think about it at all anymore. For example, like when my son comes home, I'm working on this book and he comes home and he'll come in and just talk to me and I'll talk to him for like an hour while I'm painting or, you know, Jake, me and Jake were both drawing like the, during the last podcast. Um, I don't have to think about the drawings part anymore or the, or the painting part once, once I've got a couple of things blocked in. And, uh, and that's where it gets really, really fun. Um, and so I don't know if a lot of people realize that like once you, once the technical side has been achieved, at least to a certain degree, um, then it's all about content. And that's where, that's when I really get into the flow of things. Cause I'm not worried about controlling the thing that you're holding, whether that's a paintbrush or a stylus or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Will take us out. Tell us, tell us this amazing final <laughs> assignment. This one's this one's actually going to be horrible. Uh-oh. <laughs> that way it can only go up from here. Um, so the pro the problem before I, you know, tell the assignment is that is a, is that students often don't create good compositions. So this is going back to the idea of creating a good composition. We're not, we're talking going beyond a, a single character design, mm -hmm. but designing an environment with characters and objects and things like that. 
And so the the problem that I identified in in my students is is that it's just it's just counterintuitive to design a great image. So the draw fifty things is is one way of doing it. That's that's a huge assignment. A smaller assignment that I give on the way up to that bigger one um, is called stealing a composition. And mm -hmm. so what I've done is you know if, when I first gave you assignment, you talked early on Lee about assignments that failed. So this was first a failed assignment that I turned into a successful one. And I, I said, you know, to my students, pick a, pick a, go find a really good composition and we're going to steal that composition and make it our own. Well, of course you can probably already predict that if you can't draw a good composition, sometimes you can't identify one. So yeah. I have students bring in <laughs> crappy compositions that they wanted to steal. And I'm like, that's not worth stealing. So the idea, what the assignment was that I came up with is I found really good compositions and I would explain why they were good and we would look at the, you know, all the rules that were being followed and all the, you know, all the, the design principles. And then we would, um, you know, uh, exaggerate the, you can obviously you can do this in Photoshop or Procreate or some other program where you can uh, just do it with tracing paper, but you identify the, the silhouettes. So you identify the dark areas and the light and you take the medium tones and either make a decision and make them light or dark so you come up with basically a black and white blob of the composition um of a good composition and then if it's an exterior scene then you have to change it to an interior scene and if, if it's an interior you have to change it to an exterior so you basically where the character is you know you can identify where the character is you're going to change that that character blob you know and maybe it's a well-defined character in the composition you're going to use that character as a placeholder to put your character a totally different character right, totally right, different right. environment uh -huh. but you're following this this outline that's been given to you mm -hmm. and it's 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 akin to you know learning um anything that where you do drills if you were learning how to do layups in basketball you know the coach has you line up in a certain place and, and there's you know you're following in the footsteps of people who've done it great take off on the opposite foot that you're laying up with your arm you know there's mechanics involved and so you're following these these things and so that's basically what it is is it's a foolproof way of creating a good composition because all the the um space division has already been done for you that's great i like that yeah. one did it did it yield good results oh yeah yeah, it, it, it was great. And, and I think it really helped the students because they felt like it was their piece at the end of the day, which it was because no one would look at their illustration and say, you copied that from this. Right. You know, I mean, they're mm -hmm. like, I think Jake, you were saying, you said one time in one of our classes that in your mind, there's only a few basic composition layouts in your, you know, that you kind of don't, you kind of like Rolodex them through your mind and go, I'm gonna, right. Oh, for this assignment, I'm going to pick that one. <laughs> Right, exactly. You already kind of have this mental picture in your mind. So it kind of does that in a way. It kind of gives them one of those images to then burn well, into their brain and go, this works. And That's that great. Comes, that, that goes back to a point that I, I've been making a lot. I've been doing some um, speaking lately, public speaking in regards to Inktober. So I've been visiting schools and things like that. And um, one of the things I, I bring up too, it's like if you've learned an instrument, say piano, um, you know, those early lessons, the teacher didn't sit you down and say, all right, here's a piano. Now make a song, just make a song from your heart. Whatever inspires you, just, 
just make a song, right? And nobody teaches piano that way. You don't, <laughs> you don't learn piano <laughs> right. by just making stuff up. And just make so it. often, right. So often that's how art education is treated. Like, yeah, here's a pencil, here's a paintbrush. Uh, you know what all the colors are. Now go make something, go paint or, or create whatever comes from your heart. And, and really what, what happens is you spend years playing other people's songs uh, and you learn more basic songs and, and you go up and up and up until, you know, you can play a, uh, a piece by Beethoven or, or, you know, for Elise or something like that. Um, and then you might feel like you have something within you to actually write a, a piece of music. If, if that's what you want to do with, with your training. And what's interesting with my kids learn piano too is, is they learn a song and one of them in particular, she'll learn a song and then she'll make up a piece of music that kind of is based on that song, what she learned from that song. And I think that's exactly how art training works is you learn a principle, you copy a master, you do a master study, or you learn, you know, here's exactly how I want you to do a perspective drawing. You learn what you need to learn from that. And then you go and you make your own piece with that new knowledge that you have. And I think that's what you need to do with all these assignments is, is take what you've done, what you've needed to learn from that piece, and then go make your own art, really make something from your heart um, that no one else could, could have made um, based on your experiences, based on the way your brain connects things. And that's where you start to build your own style and your own um, voice. And that's where you can actually start to make uh, uh you know, make a portfolio of your work, not student work, not your, um, you know, not your amateur stuff, but stuff that really could only come from you. That's awesome. That's funny that you use that, that analogy. Cause I do that all the time when I'm teaching. And I also add, I think the music one's a great, great way to explain that. But I also in sports, all the training that leads up to, to greatness is, kind of regimented too. You'd never go into a karate studio as a new student and him just say, put on a, put on the outfit and be like, okay, express yourself through kicks and punches. <laughs> you know, they teach you, they right. teach you the moves all the way up through the black belt. And then you start expressing yourself, um, you know, through movement and dance is the same way. Art is the only one out of all these things that does that move that you're talking about that gives, gives the beginner just free reign with no technical control, no boundaries and just says, you know, be yourself. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's so weird too because yeah i mean like like writing you you don't just turn students loose you know you you learn all these rules in music you learn uh you play someone else's music and sports is like i mean there's a lot of art in sports you run other people's plays Mm-hmm. it's just weird that it's like here's a piece of paper blank paper go create something yeah and then, and then the general consensus is to, if you do anything else like in the, like a lot of schools discourage the looking at, you know looking at masterworks and, and using other people's images even as a starting point because you know we're supposed to create something from scratch you know and mm-hmm. and you're kind of creating in a vacuum and, and they encourage that in a weird way and they discourage the learning from all these other avenues and looking at other people's work and appropriating things in, in ways that stimulate your own creativity. It's, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. I think that has to do with the, the shift away from representational art in the 20th century into more, you know, abstract or, 
or these different art forms that were more about emotion and more totally about agree. Yeah. You know, what the artists, the, the, what the artist is trying to say with their art. And I think education followed suit with that as well to some degree. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. That was fun. All right. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Lee. That was good. <laughs> put a bow, put a bow on it. All right, so thanks for joining us, everybody. Three Point Perspective is made possible by svslearn.com. We're becoming a great illustrator starts, and your hosts have been Will Terry, Lee White, and Jake Parker. Uh, you can find Will Terry's work at willterry.com, and he's on Instagram at willterryart. Lee White is leewhiteillustration.com. That's his website, and you can find his work on Instagram at leewhiteillo. I'm Jake Parker. My website's mrjakeparker.com, and you can find me on Instagram at jakeparker. Podcast is edited by Alex Sugg. That's Sugg with two Gs, and he's, his website is alexsugg.com. Podcast is produced by Tanner Garlic, and you can find his work at tannergarlicart.com. Garlic is spelled with a L-I-C-K. It's not just a C. Um, so if you like this episode, you, you liked um, these, uh, these assignments, you want to uh, tell other people about what you learned here today, uh, we would appreciate that. Share this episode, get the word out. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed yet uh, on iTunes or whatever podcasting um, app that you use. And if there's a place to leave a review, please leave a review. We love to hear what people think. And um, we actually have this discussion posted in the svslearn.com forums. There's a thread for this discussion. So if you have something you want to add to this, please log on to those forums. They're free to join. Uh, it's actually just a, a delightful community of artists and uh, very supportive of each other's work and, and people learning. So go to svslearn.com, click on forum and find the thread for this particular um, episode and, and chime in over there and let us know what you think. All right. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye.